0: The following program is brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, and the views and opinions may not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this station. Today, on the Travel Guys.
1: In the travel news, the FAA says the decreasing size of seats is not a safety hazard. Of course, you have to be able to get in and out of them. And Christmas airfares are going to scare the living bejesus out of you. They are out of sight.
0: Bought a hotel in the blind and not happy with where you ended up? Is there anything that you can do about it? Mark shares important tips on canceled Southwest tickets and trip delay coverage that you might not know you have. And uh, we'll make you a smarter traveler all about that coming up at 320.
1: Have you ever heard of Cahokia Mounds? It's the American version of the Great Pyramids. Located just east of St. Louis, they are the story of a lost civilization, and we'll give you an American history lesson at 335.
0: In June of next year, Sacramento will welcome the Wakamatsu Fest 150 at the site of the first Japanese colony in Placerville. At 350, we talk to one of the festival volunteers who tells us how that you can be part of the celebration.
1: The summer rolls on in Sacramento. We are here to give you travel respite. After all, we are the Travel Guys.
0: On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I got two tickets to paradise to run. to Alaska to
2: go north to rush your zone.
0: everyone to a wonderful afternoon and a travel guys radio program on the air again mark hoffman and tom romano with you brought to you by sports leisure vacations hope you had a wonderful fourth of july since we saw you last and uh, had a wonderful week a lot of folks a lot of holiday time for some and uh, here we are back to make you a smarter traveler mark what's new
1: well, not a whole lot, basically, uh, stayed around town. You know, there's something that, that really, we've been talking about this a lot around my office and, and, and folks. I know that folks make a lot of money off of fireworks. A lot of nonprofits make money from those fireworks stands. But does it make a whole lot of sense to you that the whole state is on fire and that we're selling, we're encouraging people to go out and light fireworks on the 4th of July? Does that seem to?
0: N- no, it, it There's an, uh, and this is not the first time I've heard this or the first time I've said it, but uh, you would think that Northern California California, you know would uh, would ban fireworks because of all of the fires I remember as a kid visiting Southern California uh, yeah. with my folks and when I was uh, just a small boy and being very disappointed that uh, we couldn 't do fireworks because there were bans on fireworks because of the possibility of fires but yet here in northern California we just I've, i don 't know if I ever recall uh fireworks ban at any time, no matter how bad the uh, The fire season gets and not
1: not down here in the valley um but el dorado el dorado county has banned fireworks Mm -hmm. so i mean you know lake tahoe yeah well they have the forest and all that stuff but why have we not and and i'm not against fireworks per se i just to me it just seems kind of strange that any spark can cause a, a flame that can you know put hundreds or thousands of homes up in flames and and disrupt a lot of people's lives and it just i don't know but of course non-profits make a lot of money selling those fireworks and that money is very important to the work that churches and other non-profits little leagues and all that stuff do so i saw the cordova band had a stand so you you have to find out a way to replace that money Probably. But anyway, it just that, that's just my little rant for the day was just the fireworks <laughs> thing. I just couldn't it could just didn't, didn't seem to make any sense to me no. now. And I love fireworks as much as the next guy. And when I was a kid, yes, I had the sparklers and the safe and sane and the little, you know, those little uh, snakes that you let off that You start in your oh, driveway. I hate, and, it's yeah, just,
0: and they leave us. Yeah. They leave a mark on your driveway till uh, the next fourth of July. I- <laughs>
1: I'm up. off to Washington State this week. Yes. To uh, take some folks up to Puget Sound and then uh, later come home and then uh, head out to uh, Chicago to take uh, another group of folks to. Uh, see uh, Hamilton and the Share show, the new Share mm-hmm. uh, Broadway bound show, which uh, one group has already seen and another group will see. So, well, we've got some travel news here. Not a whole lot because it's kind of a quiet holiday week, but why don't we go on with
0: the travel news? All right. And with that, here is Mark Hoffman. We always do this at the top of the travel, guys. Let's, let's see what you got, boys.
1: Well, hey, um, first thing is a small apology. Uh, Last week, we talked about Hawaiian Airlines adding some new uh, service from Sacramento to Maui next year. And we told folks that that flight was going to depart late morning. It actually is going to depart at 8.30 in the morning and uh, get in Hawaii at 11.15, get back to Sacramento at night at, at 8.55. So it leaves a little bit earlier than we had talked about last week. Starts in April. I'm sure there will be – April is not a particularly busy time in May to visit Hawaii, so fares are a little soft at that time anyway. So my guess is we're going to see some really great fares to Hawaii from Sacramento next week. Here's kind of a cool story. Um, this is, a, you know, when we're traveling and it's kind of adversarial and everybody's fighting for overhead space and stuff like this. So uh, a few days ago, a uh, a blind and deaf man was traveling alone on an Alaska Airlines flight from uh, Boston to uh, Los Angeles, and so they ended up being their flight was canceled they ended up being rebooked to portland and uh, so this family is boarding the flight, and they notice that uh this gentleman is using sign language to say goodbye to whomever has uh, taken him to the to the gate and so this family realized the gentleman was blind and deaf and apparently the teenager in their family had just learned sign language and so went up to the gentleman and was able to sign with him and uh, a little bit and and he could feel her uh, fingers and stuff, and so it worked out really well. Um, the gentleman was very happy, had a, a companion, I guess they set together and and uh, signed back and forth the whole flight, and the gentleman was just ecstatic about it, um, and so at, every once in a while, you know, you find a good Samaritan in the sky. I mentioned in the headlines about Christmas airfares, I'm um, doing some shopping for some travel I have to do around Christmas. Uh, over the 4th of July, I was doing the shopping, and I just want to tell you something. If you are planning on traveling during the two-week period around Christmas and New Year's, you might want to consider taking a look at the tickets now because the prices are really high. I mean, like, higher than they've ever been in the past. So if you – sometimes we, we tell folks, you know, wait till around the 1st of November or something like that. I'm not sure I would wait that long. Uh, I might at least go in and set some fare alerts or something like that at your favorite third-party website so that you can track the fares on a regular basis. You know, you can go to kayak.com and look up a, a city pair and then you can set an alert and they will let you know if the fare goes up or down for that particular city pair and it's it's a very helpful way to be able to, uh, uh, to shop but Christmas airfares are really out there so if you are planning some holiday travel, do yourself a favor and at least check and see what's out there there are not too many bargains if you're willing to leave on the last flight or the first flight on christmas morning or christmas eve or the day after christmas there are some bargains but not very many one other news item here the faa says that apparently that seat size is not a safety hazard the size of flyers seats has been getting smaller and smaller and of course the space between seats You and the seat in front of you, the row in front of you, is getting smaller and smaller. The seats themselves have gotten smaller. They've gone from 20 inches wide to, in some cases, as as skinny as 17 inches. And the thought was, how do people get out of the plane if there's an emergency? Well, the FAA has done a study and has decided that the size of the airline seats will not be a hindrance in you getting off the airplanes. As I mentioned, though, you are going to have to be able to get out of the seat first, first. Once you've been wedged in, let's well, see here, What will see.
0: <laughs> now, you know, uh, is, is, is that a sensitivity issue that the people on the, you know, the flight attendants and so forth is going to have issues with?
1: I, well, I mean, they have an issue to start with. If a large person, an oversized passenger gets on a plane, then most airlines have a procedure for dealing with that. Um, and in some cases, you have, um, you know, we have a couple of very nice, proactive customers that travel with sports leisure vacations who will, um, you know, we have a policy about oversized passengers and they follow that policy and we're able to accommodate them. And in, in some cases, they pay for an extra seat and get that money back when the seat isn't, isn't sold. But, uh, uh, Southwest uh, and and some of the other folks, um, you know, the seats are just smaller. Thomas, they're narrower. So yeah, getting yeah. somebody getting in and out of them for some folks is a, a little bit of a struggle. I have that issue from time to time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Airbnb has uh, come out and uh, with a statement about the uh, Supreme Court's uh, decision to uphold the travel ban. that's uh, a policy that goes against our mission and values to restrict travel based on a person's nationality or religion is wrong. Uh, Airbnb is announcing that they are matching donations to the International Refugee Assistance Project, a total of up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars through uh, September. September the 30th. And finally, I have one other item. Uh, Last week I went on kind of a rant about the uh, Trump administration and their. uh, well, it wasn't really the administration of something they had done, but something they hadn't done. Uh, the travel ban is one thing, but we, we need a stronger message from the top, from the leadership in the country, telling folks from countries that are not on that list that it's OK for them to come. And basically, that's what I was saying, was that uh, it's time for the president to step up. We got some uh, some responses, some good, some not so good. Um, one gentleman suggested that uh, Alan, one listener suggested that perhaps the strong dollar was in. Impacting international inbound arrivals because when the dollar is strong, your international currency buys less U.S. currency. So that's a detriment to travel. And he's absolutely right about that. I should have mentioned that. Um, I did uh, do some homework, though, and went back and checked over the last 20 years, international inbound arrivals, the dollar has had several other weak points. The dollar against the euro right now is about $1. 15 16. It was as high as $1.35. So while it's higher than it was last year, it's not as high as it's been historically in the past. Um, never before did a rise in the dollar's value cause international inbound passengers to drop below the number that had come the year before. So we've never seen a decrease. We saw a slowing of the increase, but never a decrease before. So I will stand by my previous comment that it is really important at this point in time for the president, the White House, somebody with authority in the administration to come out and say, look, um, while we have a travel ban in place for these countries, we do not have a travel ban in place for this long list of other countries, and the United States is waiting for you with open arms, because there are a lot of people in this country whose livelihood depends on international inbound tourists. So that was the point of the whole rant last week and uh, thank you all for your comments. Um, The only thing I can suggest is that when you send something in, uh, put your actual email address on there um, because otherwise I think it's kind of cowardly to send nasty things and not stand behind them. So anyways, um, that's a little bit on the travel rant from last week and that is your travel news for today.
0: All right, coming up next here on the Travel Guys, we're going to make you a smarter traveler in our Smarter Traveler segment. Going to feature some information on when you buy a hotel in the blind and you're not happy with where you ended up. That and more next on The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on. We're back. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We are the Travel Guys here every Sunday from three to four here on KFBK. Find us at TravelGuysRadio.com. You can follow along with uh, pretty much everything we talk about, links to our guests uh, at that uh, TravelGuysRadio.com website, as well as uh, a lot of stuff that we don't talk about. It's I sometimes go to our website just to make me a smarter traveler. All
1: right. We got some things to make folks a smarter traveler here um, today. These are uh, these are kind of small things, but all of them kind of important. A lot of folks in this city fly on Southwest Airlines. Uh, Southwest has more flights than all of the rest of the other carriers who serve Sacramento combined. So if you fly to or from Sacramento, there's a pretty good chance at some point in time you're going to be on a Southwest airplane. And because of Southwest uh very fair cancellation policies. You can cancel a ticket up until 10 minutes before departure time and retain the value of that ticket, the full value, not have to pay a ridiculous $200 cancellation fee. But there are a couple of asterisks that come with this. The, the travel funds are good for a year, but don't make the mistake of thinking that the funds are good from a year from the date that you plan to fly. No, they're good from a year for a year from the date you bought the ticket. So if you bought a ticket on Southwest nine months ahead before you were going to fly and you and you canceled it, you now have only, let's say, three more months after the departure date to be able to use it. And this is something that catches a lot of people. Well, I've got a year to use this. Well, no, you haven't got a year from your cancellation date or a year from the date of your original flight. You have a year from the day you bought the ticket. And I'm telling you, Southwest has a very... Fair cancellation policy, so if you run amok of this and you find that, oh my goodness, I've got some funds that expired three or four days ago, won't Southwest give me a break? The answer generally is no. Uh, because they have a very liberal policy to start with, they're not really interested in giving you an extra extension. So if you've got some Southwest funds sitting around that you didn't use, make sure that you flag it on your calendar, and your phone, wherever it is that you have warning notices like that so that you don't get stuck and lose a lot of funds that otherwise would have been great for you to travel on. Got that? Got it. I'm right. paying right. very
0: close attention. I fly Southwest all the time. and. You do, and this is something that
1: catches a lot of people. Yes. All right. Um, Now, hotels. You go to one of these opaque, uh, uh, one of these websites where you do not get to know your hotel until after you have made your commitment. Priceline used to be like this. Now uh, we have a company called Hotwire that does this. So I took this from Chris Elliott's website. Uh, lady writes in. She booked a hotel. Uh, it was She was, you know, two and a half diamonds was what she went for. And she got a roadway in with exterior corridors, and she didn't think that was going to be safe. And so she immediately called Hotwire and said, look, I don't want this hotel. And Hotwire said, I'm really sorry, but you're stuck with it. And we see this a lot. Um People try to get the lowest price or the best deal. And then when they get the lowest price or the best deal, well, something happens that they can't travel and they've got a non-refundable hotel room. Well, uh, but they've got it for $12 less for three nights. And now they can't cancel it because they've bought a non-refundable room. And then they blame the hotel and say, well, that's not fair. I know you're going to resell that room. Uh, You should refund it to me. But, of course, you made the adult decision to start with to buy uh, something at a price that was reduced. And the reason it was reduced was because it came with some caveats. So if you are going to a third-party hotel website and you're picking a hotel in the blind, know that. And the way Hotwire uh, responded to this lady, she said, it says... For hot-rate hotels, we work with hotel suppliers to negotiate special low rates, and you only find out the location after you complete a booking. Those bookings are non-refundable, which is detailed to you before you book. If you want more specifics about your room prior to booking, such as interior versus exterior facing corridors and doors, which is important to some people, especially single female travelers, we also have a retail hotel option where all hotel property information is provided prior to purchase so Hotwire did not refund this lady and they won't refund you if you get into the same situation if you're trying to take advantage of a travel deal make sure you're fully aware of what the parameters are that are connected to that deal and finally quickly um, trip delay coverage many of you have a credit card which allows trip delay coverage in many cases you have to be delayed a certain amount of time Sometimes it's overnight. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we have an article there that has a list, lists many credit cards, and will tell you whether your card, at least according to this list, offers some trip delay, trip interruption coverage. It can be quite extensive. It can be quite a bit of money. So you might want to go to TravelGuysRadio.com and take a look, see which credit card in your wallet might allow you this coverage and do your homework so you know that it's there next time you might
0: need it. Remember, visit TravelGuysRadio.com. More information to make you a smarter traveler there all the time. Mark and Tom with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, where the Travel Guys and off to Cahokia Mounds. You're going to love this interview. It's next here on the Travel Guys After the News.
3: If you ever plan to motor west, travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Get your kicks. Hi there. You found the Travel Guys, Mark
0: Hoffman and Sam Romano, here on your radio. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Now, remember, folks, you can follow along and get links to pretty much everything we talk about on the program at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, you found another interesting destination Read not that long ago along the Route 66 uh, trip. Tell us about it.
1: Well, we did, Tom. For those folks who are students of United States history, they probably have heard of a place called Cahokia Mounds. I had only briefly heard of it. I took some Route 66 travelers there. It's a, basically an area that's sort of across the river on the Illinois side of uh, the Mississippi River from St. Louis. Brett is with us on the phone today. He's from Rivers and Routes, which is a local convention and visitors bureau, and Brett is going to tell us a little bit about Cahokia Mounds in hopes that we might interest some of our Northern California travelers into looking it up the next time that they're in the, the greater St. Louis area. Brett, welcome to the Travel Guys.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me here today. And I'd like to add, you know, we're the place where the Mother Road and the Great River Road meet. So it's a great place for all those uh, folks from California to come down and, and see where these two magical uh, roads kind of intersect.
1: People who haven't traveled in that area before, consider the old the old highway as you go uh, down out of Edwardsville and, and uh, getting ready to cross into St. Louis. If you're fortunate enough, you can leave your car on one side and walk out on the uh, Chain of Rocks Bridge. Anyways, Brett, back to um, Cahokia Mounds, because that's what we're here to talk about. Give our our listeners a little bit of a background on what Cahokia is and how it came to be.
2: Sure. Cahokia all started as a a first settlement, really, at Cahokia, around 700 AD, um, and that was some time ago, but it became the largest prehistoric Indian site uh, and and really population-based for many years, up until about 1400 to 1450 uh, AD, this civilization grew to about uh, 20,000 plus people, and there were multiple tribes there. So it wasn't just one tribe. Uh, We saw uh, many tribes come in here, and it was all part of the Mississippian uh, era, really, of of the cultures of of Native America. So these were all there, um, and and today the remnants of those, and this is, again, the largest uh, site north of Mexico and the largest earthen uh, site in the world. It's of course a World Heritage Site from UNESCO. Uh, It is very popular down here for those who stop in. Anyone across the globe that stops in just has a, a very connected to Earth and spiritual moment. Tom,
1: uh, you, you mentioned before we started the interview that mm-hmm. the mounds, when you looked at them on the Internet, looked sort of like pyramids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are some similarities to that. Brett, there was a, a huge civilization here, and, and these people were f- fairly advanced for their times, were they not?
2: They were very advanced and we find a lot of artifacts. They do digs every year and continue to find pieces of remnants of how Sophisticated and detailed some of the artwork was that they had done and and the pieces of pottery and things uh, but yes, uh, this, these mounds are often compared to, to pyramids the the one the largest mound on there is called monk's mound, and it actually rises a hundred plus feet into the uh, into the air, and all of that was built by year after year of these uh, uh, civilizations that live there.
0: Brett, uh, for our listeners, we're here to make them smarter travelers when they come to Cahokia Mounds. Do you have, like, a formal tour? What recommendation would you make to them in regards to uh, seeing this uh, historic site?
2: There is an interpretive uh, center that you can get into, and we recommend people starting off with the movie. Of course, there's an introductory movie about 15 minutes long. But the interpretive center then walks you through the eras and the wetlands of the area, You know, what brought everybody here many, many years ago was the connection to the Mississippi River. Uh, Brett, is there a charge to visit the mounds? Nope. Uh, Free admission. It is run by the State of Illinois uh, Historic Preservation Agency. And uh, free admission there. Of course, donations are welcome. There is a Friends Society that helps put on a lot of the programming that goes on. Um, But the site grounds itself are open every day from 8 a.m. to dusk. And um, admission is really just suggested donations. So uh, it's a great, great place to stop on Route 66. It's also right there on the Great River Road, and it's also part of the National Road. So there's so many different connections here that continue to, to advance our uh, history and society.
0: I know I could find this out by going to your website, but our listeners are, and I are dying to ask the question right now and get an answer from you. What was the purpose of them building the mounds? What are they for?
2: The mounds were a lot of, um, they were not burial mounds, so a lot of people think that there were burial mounds there. There are a couple of burial mounds there, but the mounds were really made uh, to help show, to elevate elevate ceremonial buildings and give the residents, give that outlook of life. Um, You know, they were not necessarily just to mark important locations and to give a sense of really, I guess, ruler, uh, superiority, and, and, and the ability to, to see all of the, the civilization from that one point. Um, so that's, that's the main thing the Monk's Mound uh, was built for, you know, uh, not a burial mound
1: if you ever you're in Washington D.C., you see that big Capitol building. You're in downtown Sacramento. Same <laughs> thing. I'm I'm going to suggest you that's what they were doing was building grand edifices to uh, to their existence there. Brett, thank you so much uh, for your time today and for the opportunity to learn a little bit about Cahokia mounds. Again, if we've piqued your interest, go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You can find a link to Brett's C.V.B. Um, to get more information on the area, other things that you might like to do if you're visiting Cahokia amounts and more information on the site. Brett, thanks for your time today.
0: Yeah, thank you most unusual my of course i should have known that mark where if there's something unusual and a place that a lot of people don't know about you have found a you have already gone there with a group of your travelers or you're planning on it because you are definitely a kind of off the beaten path and anything that may be anywhere near route 66 you will find it we are the travel guys more coming up mark what do we have next
1: well speaking of the unusual and and by the Way. A lot of folks don't even know that Cahokia Mounds exists, but it's really a fascinating place. If you get near St. Louis, it's about a 20-minute drive from the from the city, and a great place to go see. All right. Um, yes, yeah, something also a little bit unusual and unique. The Wakamatsu, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The Wakamatsu Fest 150, which is going to be held at a historic site of the first Japanese colony in the United States, which apparently was up in Placerville. And uh, we are going to have a guest uh, to join us from the uh, um, AR Conservancy, the American River Conservancy, who's going to tell us about this unique festival coming up next on The Travel Guys.
0: It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We are the Travel Guys. Every Sunday, 3 to 4 o'clock here on KFBK, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And again, links to all of what we talk about and our guests are at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark?
1: Tom, we have uh we, we talked a little bit before the break there and said that we have something really unusual, a local festival, and I think this is. Um it's called Wakamatsu Fest 150, a celebration of 150 years of Japanese American heritage. And I didn't know that the first Japanese colony in America was located near Placerville. Uh, in 1869 so these folks have put together a celebration of their heritage our guest with us today um, we are speaking with Melissa Lobach Melissa is with the American River Conservancy and they are part of this festival Melissa welcome to the travel guys thank you very much for having me so tell us a little bit about the festival when is it going to take place it's going to be up in Placerville I'm guessing give us some basics
3: sure So the American River Conservancy is partnering with the Japanese-American community to bring to the public Wakamatsu Fest 150 on June 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th of 2019. So folks have um, almost a full year to get ready for it and save the date.
1: So tell us, the the festival obviously is a celebration of Japanese-American history and heritage here in the country. Tell us a little bit about some of the events that might be taking place at the festival.
3: Sure. The festival is a celebration of not just Japanese-American heritage and history, but also Japanese-American arts and cuisine. So really, we are celebrating uh, 150 years since the colonists' arrival in June of 1869. So we intend to make it as big as we possibly can with um, performances and demonstrations from individuals and groups that include the history and ceremony of tea and silk and sushi and even things like bonsai gardening, taiko, koto, swords and weaponry, ikibana, kimono, origami, books, puppets, writing, film, calligraphy, manga and anime, and um, we would really like to be able to attract Japanese produce farmers and um, and the like. So uh, in addition to that, plans are currently underway to stage a full-length world premiere play telling the Wakamatsu colony story during the festival, and we'd like to offer that on each day of the festival. So we're really looking for Um, individuals that are interested in participating in the festival in those traditional Japanese um, art forms and cuisines. And then also certainly folks that can represent modern Japanese American cuisine and art forms too.
1: For folks who would like to participate in this, you mentioned looking for uh, some of the Japanese produce uh, dealers in the area and stuff. Uh, You're going to have booths? And things, yes. so you're going to have vendors there, but it, it, folks who are who are Japanese and who have history, I mean, is that something that you're looking for? Tell us a little bit about how folks can get involved in this event beforehand to help make it better.
3: Yes, that's great. Um, well, we are looking for uh, Japanese and Japanese-American-themed um Booths and vendors and performers and demonstrators. So it's folks that do traditional Japanese uh, dance, uh, music, other sorts of art form, and um, certainly vendors of Japanese American food, beverages, and merchandise. And so, folks can go on to the Wakamatsu Fest website, and that is at www.arconservancy.org forward slash Wakafest 150.
1: Or you can just go to travelguysradio.com and we'll have a link to the festival there.
3: Oh, that's great. That's very helpful. Thank you. Um, at any rate, if you look at the Get Involved tab, there is a Participate link there that. Uh, links to a form that folks can fill out and indicate what type of um, product or services they can provide, and we'd be happy to slot them in and contact them and let them know um, what works for, for both of us.
1: Melissa, has your has the Conservancy done an event like this previously?
3: Great question. And actually, this conservancy has done uh, festivals in the past. We've hosted three festivals that showcase the farm's history. However, in recognition of the significance of the 150th anniversary date, Wakamatsu Fest 150 is going to be a much grander, bigger um, festival focused solely on the Japanese American culture. And so we're very excited to be offering this sincerely one and only historical event to the public.
1: So it's June 6th through the 9th of next year. And if you would like to participate on any level, um, you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You will find a link there. You can get a hold of Melissa and lots of you can be a vendor. uh, You can be a, a, a somebody who is just showing off the Japanese culture, all kinds of lots of great opportunities. Melissa, we'll check back in with you sometime before the event, sometime in the winter, and see how things are going. Thank you very much for your time today.
3: Thank you very much for inviting
0: me. And don't forget now a link to Melissa's website is available at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark?
1: Absolutely. I have a little thing here as we wrap up a Travel Guys edition for a Sunday here. Visitors reveal the things they find strangest... About traveling in the United States hmm so you got that people from other <laughs> countries who come here the things that they find the strangest okay so a uh, first one is American portion sizes are bewildering to visitors
0: all right is that uh, is there where though we wait way too big or way too small
1: way too big the size of food servings in restaurants is 50 to 100 percent bigger than in Europe um in particular uh, one visitor said that she was awed by the raptor sized turkey legs sold at <laughs> amusement parks. <laughs> Didn't you say that was something that you liked? to have oh, a
0: turkey? Oh yeah, leg? well you know my not so much me but uh they, they always get purchased by my my son-in-laws generally ah, who are big okay. eaters and uh yeah yeah and and she's absolutely right. It you look at those and you go that couldn't possibly even be from a turkey.
1: Um, visitors, let's see what else things that they find strangest about traveling in the U.S. Don't understand why there are so many ads for lawyers. Oh uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, big, the big ads on billboards and stuff like that, uh, ads for lawyers. They said most of the time you couldn't go anywhere without seeing ads for lawyers was one visitor's comment. Um, they're surprised by the number of drive through establishments. Mm-hmm. Um, besides McDonald's, that there are drive-through liquor stands and drive-through coffee shops. And, uh, there, even in Louisiana, there is a drive-through daiquiri stand. Um, so something. Mm -hmm. They're terrified by the many ads for prescription drugs. You know, when we're sitting there and you see the beautiful pictures of the happy couple and they're talking about some drug that yes. will help you with some illness or something. And then they talk about the side effects. And that goes on for usually about half of the commercial, <laughs> everything, including, you know, death and all this stuff. Um, when, one visitor said uh, that drug you have, Linesta, is terrifying. I don't remember the specific side effects, but I just re- recall the fact that death was the most troubling one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so. y- you know so far uh, everything that you have uh, you have brought up that uh, people mm-hmm. that from other countries uh, find uh, astounding when they visit this country I would say that most of those uh even those of us that live here find those things astounding, <laughs> find those things astounding. What, <laughs> what else have you got All right. Apparently, there are a lot of squirrels in the United States.
1: Uh, A number of visitors in this particular survey were shocked by the number of squirrels. Others agreed and added that American squirrels are also terrifyingly bold. Um, And I would speak to the half dozen or so of them that are undermining the office at Sports Leisure Vacations on a daily basis by digging around. The amount of space in the U.S. is also shocking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, The size of the roads and the parking lots, particularly the parking lots. Um, People say that they're the size of small cities in some cases. I guess I never thought about that. But, you know, things in Europe are closer together. together. They are awed by the country's sheer size. One visitor says, it took me a while before I realized that a person cannot drive from New York City to the Grand Canyon in one day
0: right yeah yeah i mean in, in <laughs> europe you can drive through in one day you could visit like four or five uh different uh countries exactly exactly so let's see moving on down the list
1: here Vis- things visitors revealing that they find strangest about traveling in the u.s they think our cars are really big uh one one traveler commented on a ford Taurus. he says which by australian standards um would be a limousine um He said, when I got a compact car, I felt like I was driving a go-kart. Everywhere I looked, there were massive pickups with dual rear axles, especially the the big Ford 150 pickups and stuff. Uh, One lady said, I could look out my side windows half the time, and all I could see was hubcaps.
0: I drove to a parking lot the other day. It might be because it's a parking lot for a swimming pool and probably a lot of parents there. But I looked at a, a row of automobiles. There must have been 50 of them. There wasn't a sedan amongst the bunch. Yeah, they were all yeah. SUVs.
1: That's it. Americans seem to be much friendlier than other nationalities, and it tends to freak people out who come from other countries. I've heard this before. Um, Americans are extremely friendly, almost to an uncomfortable degree for some. Uh, One said, my parents got slightly lost and had to ask for directions. After five minutes, 20 people with huge smiles were surrounding them, trying their utmost to help. Several were offering rides back to their hotel. Um, One visitor said, Americans have a strange lack of inhibition with strangers. Uh, another highlighted how often americans smiled at strangers so in general visitors are kind of perplexed at how open and comfortable we are with complete strangers so mm. that I, th- that one's kind of interesting okay here we got to wrap up i've got two more for you uh, here this is i think the best one the gap between toilet stalls doors is disconcerting to visitors you know how you would go into the into the restroom and you close the toilet door the mm. stall door and there's usually a foot or a foot and a half Visible below the door and also above the door. Well, in Europe, those doors are complete. They don't have partial doors or partial walls in Europe and so uh, they say it's it's kind of confusing to them of course I remember the time I went to Amsterdam and all the women and the men were going into the same restroom and you know if you had something to do that needed a stall you went one way and if you had something to do that needed a urinal you went the other way and it was very confusing to me because I was like why are all these people going in the same place and finally visitors don't understand taxes And why the price listed on an item isn't the price expected at the cash register.
0: (laughs) Well, Um, like I say, a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, even those of us that live here in this country, uh, at a moment in our lives, when faced with usually doing those things, wonder, ask the same question.
1: I thought that was a great article, though, because those are things that foreigners look at us and say, hmm, really? Really? So I'm sure we could probably make a list of things that United States travelers notice in foreign countries. So anyway, it's time to wrap all of this up, Thomas, and uh, tell our listeners to dance like nobody's watching and make sure they're around for at 3 o'clock next week.
0: All right. Yes, join us next week, 3 o'clock. We'll be here to with more information to make you a smarter traveler. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us. Stay well, my friends.